Bible reading this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they, are, they, all, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Good stuff. Please keep God's word open in front of you, friends. 1 Thessalonians 2. I'm going to pray and then we'll dive in. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you why I'm standing here, not up there. I feel like it's too far away uh, up there on the stage and I wanted to be a little bit closer and I hope it's a bit more engaging that I'm a bit closer uh, to you. I want God's Word to be engaging and us to be a church who are super committed uh, to hearing God's Word, learning how to follow God's Word. So if there's anything I can do as the one who's teaching God's Word, you let me know. Please fill out your Connect card. Let me know if it was helpful or unhelpful, if at the back you can't see properly now or anything like that. Uh, We want to be a church committed to God's Word, and I want to do whatever I can to help us to that end. Let's pray. 
Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the example you blessed us with in the Apostle Paul. God, please uh, light our hearts on fire for the lost as yours is. Give us great hearts for those we know who are perishing, who are facing your just wrath without Jesus as their shield, that we might be desperate to share this wonderful news about Jesus with them, we pray in his name. Amen. So we've been working through our uh, ministry strategy and uh, over the last five weeks, this is the sixth week, we're thinking about what it means um, to live out God's grace as we share the gospel. So we thought about resting, rejoicing, growing and praying. That is what we do as Christians. Um, Sorry, that is who we are as Christians. We, We rest, we rejoice, we grow and pray. Now we're thinking about what we do. And last week we thought about seeking the lost. And once we do that, once we connect, we want to share the gospel with them, don't we? And I'm finding God is throwing opportunities at me and you too, I hope, uh, these past couple of months to share the gospel. As I mentioned, I had a conversation with my friend at tennis the other night. I went to a first birthday party and had a conversation uh, with someone I didn't know, friends of the Ponsonby's, uh, yesterday about the gospel and I actually dubbed Jeremy in to read the Bible with this bloke, so hopefully uh, that comes to fruition. But I'm finding many, many opportunities, and I'm finding people quite willing uh, to have opportunities about Jesus and about church and about the things of God, uh, which is fantastic. And if you haven't already committed to praying for your friends who don't know Jesus, that's cool. Uh, You've got the card now to help you out, to remind you. That's basically all it is. It's a reminder. Uh, to pray for your friends who don't know Jesus, to pray for yourself too, that you'll have opportunity and courage to share the gospel. Paul asked the church to pray for him that they'd have opportunities, that God would remove obstacles from the gospel. And so pray for yourself and ask your growth groups to pray for you too, that you'll have opportunity uh, to share the gospel and courage to share the gospel Uh, with your friends and your family and loved ones. Um, Who do you know, have a think now for just a moment while I have a little drink, who do you know who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't trust in Jesus, who, if Jesus were to return today, would stand naked before God on Judgment Day? They need to hear the gospel, don't they? They need forgiveness of sins more than anything else. We know the story of the paralyzed man that when his friends brought him before Jesus, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. That was the thing he needed the most, forgiveness of sins, not to be healed from paralyzation so that he might find a wife, so that he might find a job and have an income and a meal and a home. His greatest need was forgiveness of sins. And we need to pray because it's hard. And if you find it hard to share the gospel, you're normal. You're human. It is hard to share the gospel. We have fears, we have uncertainties, we have concerns. We worry what other people think. We need to pray. And we have a wonderful example uh, in Paul, the Apostle Paul, that we're going to look at today. And before you think, well, that's the Apostle Paul, you know, he was amazing. I can't do what he did. Yes, you can. Because he had the same Holy Spirit working in him that you have in you. He didn't have a special Holy Spirit. He had the same Holy Spirit working in him, empowering him to these things. By nature, he was a Christian killer. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
he shared the gospel and he planted churches. We're told in the Bible, <clears throat> we're told in the Bible he was beaten, whipped, imprisoned, shipwrecked three times and eventually killed for sharing the good news that Jesus died for our sins. What are we willing to do? Now there's every chance we're not going to have to go through those things to share the gospel, praise God. But I have grave concern that we're heading into an age in our country where we may be imprisoned for sharing the gospel. I may be imprisoned for leading a church one day in the future. And we will face that head on with the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. More important than anything else is the need for Christ and forgiveness of sins. So we're going to look at Paul and we're going to help, uh, we're going to be encouraged by his example to share the gospel. I think a healthy understanding of heaven is great fuel for evangelism and I think a healthy understanding of hell is greater fuel for evangelism. And I think it's great that we're thinking about these topics at our big day in on the 31st of July. If you haven't put it in your diaries yet, you're naughty. Put it in your diary, 31st of July. Um, It's going to be great to be thinking about these huge concepts which ought to be shaping our lives now as we look to this uh, sure future that all people will one day spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. Flick forward in your Bibles. Can I encourage you to bring your Bible to church, your paper, old school paper Bible, uh, each week? It probably doesn't slot into your handbag or your back pocket that well. Too bad. It's good to have your paper Bible and know it and read it and love it and look forward to hanging out with it uh, each day. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse 6 and be kind of humbled by the words. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. This is fuel for comfort for you who trust in Jesus, and you ought to be afraid for those you know who do not. In Revelation 21, we read more of this destruction that the Bible speaks of. It's the loving person that warns us of danger, remember? Revelation 21.5, He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I'll be their God. They'll be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral 
Those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulphur. This is the second death. All have sinned and fallen away. All need forgiveness through faith in Jesus. Paul had a deep grasp on what heaven will be like and what hell would be like. And that drove him and inspired him and motivated him and compelled him to share the gospel with all of the energy that God had given him. It says there in verse 1 and 2, uh, back to 1 Thessalonians 2, it says there in verse 2, we'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. His companion Silas and Timothy had been treated outrageously in Philippi. The history books show that because they preached the gospel, they were stripped naked and flogged in a public place. Can you imagine being stripped naked, tied up in the middle of MacArthur Square and flogged for sharing the gospel? What would you do next after you got back out of there? I can tell you what Paul did. He shared the gospel all the more. He didn't quit. He didn't care about these things. He cared about what the lost were facing without Christ as their saviour. Picture yourself walking down a busy street and you see a perfect stranger walking ahead of you and they're on their phone. That's not hard to picture, is it? Um, might be hard to picture because you're probably on your phone, you don't see them, no. But they're walking ahead of you down the street, they're on their phone, they've got their earbuds in, uh, so they're listening to music too, and they decide, oh, they see the shop they're going to across the road, and so they go to step out on the road, but there's a bus coming, and they don't see the bus, and they're about to step right in front of the bus. What would you do? You'd sing out, hey, you, there's a bus coming, right? But they don't hear you, so you yell louder, hey, there's a bus! But they still don't hear you because they've got the music on loud and they're all about to, step, about to step onto the curb. What do you do? Is there not a moment where you risk personal injury and tackle them to the ground, right? Yes? No. None of you mean people. No one's nodding. I'd let them get hit by the bus. Wow. There's a point at which you tackle them, right? So they don't get hit by the bus. There's a point at which you risk injury to yourself as you hit the concrete and bang your head, and whatever. Friends, what are we willing to do for our own friends and family who don't yet trust in Jesus? The bus is coming, and they don't see it. What are we willing to do? Paul had a message, he had news, great news, that applies to all people, all nations for all time. We have that same good news. The message is that God is God. He's good and holy. Our kids know it. Kate explained it to them a little while ago. We have sinned. She explained that to them as well. Hands up if you're a sinner. No, <laughs> you all are, she said. And she's right. We all stand condemned, but for the saving grace of Jesus. Through his substitutionary death upon the cross, he faced the wrath of God in our place that we might live. That is the good news. Through trusting in Him and obeying Him and submitting our lives to His will, we avoid the fiery lake 
of eternal punishment and separation from God. Paul was willing to endure insult, ridicule, even a naked flogging in the name of Jesus to pass on this news to others. Why? Why was he willing to do this? Are we willing to endure ridicule and shame and scorn, punishment, imprisonment in order to share the gospel? Are we supposed to be willing to endure those things? And if we're supposed to, how do we get to that place where we are willing to endure anything for the sake of Jesus? And I can tell you there's two reasons Paul did this, two alone. And they are that Paul loves Jesus and Paul loves people. Paul loves Jesus, Paul loves people. We love Jesus and we love people, we'll get there. Paul has a new heart from God, a heart that seeks the lost, a heart that loves Jesus and can't help but tell others about him. He's passionate about, he's interested in, he's keen to please, he's eager to serve, compelled to serve Jesus. He writes in Philippians 3, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, and I consider the things I've lost garbage, that I may gain Christ. In comparison to knowing Jesus and living for Him, there are other things in our life, in comparison are garbage. Paul's committed to serving Jesus and finishing the race with him. Now, people have been opposing Paul, opposing his companions, accusing them of all sorts of unfounded, harsh criticisms. They're money grabbers, they're liars, they seek status. They're in it for themselves. But look at the Bible, verse 3. Paul says, no, the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. We're not trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God, entrusted with the gospel, entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. That's challenging. Do we seek the praise of people? Friends, I know I do at times. We're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. I'm an apostle. You know, you should respect me. No. We didn't seek the praise of people, but God. He's doing it out of fear of God and fear for the future of these people in these churches. He shares the gospel for Jesus' sake, to honour him. And that alone is enough. Look around our community, there's people who are passionate about all sorts of things. Passionate about work. Passionate about sport. Passionate about grass. I see that the Australia Post have changed from the heavy motorbikes, which kind of put a track in your grass, to the light three-wheel things. I bet that's just to dodge complaints. Passionate about fairy lights at Christmas time. 
What are we passionate about as followers of Jesus? Is it not Christ and making him known and taking as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can? What consumes your thoughts and plans once you get out of this building on a Sunday afternoon? What do you start thinking about and keep thinking about for the next six and a half days? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about following Jesus and making disciples of him? Our church is passionate about living for Jesus and sharing the gospel. As fun as it was to watch, sing and eat popcorn, that's not why we did it. We want to connect with people. We did it to seek the lost so we might share the gospel, build relationships with our community so we might share the gospel so they might be saved on that final day when God comes in, Jesus comes in blazing fire with his angels. In order to be passionate about the lost, you need to be passionate about Jesus. We're sinners by nature. We're not going to care about the lost by nature. We're not. Jesus cares about the lost. Obviously, died to save them. If you want to get passionate about the lost, you've got to get passionate about Jesus. Passionate about reading your Bible. Passionate about prayer, as Roz encouraged us so wonderfully this morning. Passionate about Him. And then you'll be like Paul. You'll be keen to serve the gospel with men, with women, with kings, with prison guards, with prisoners, with children, with anyone you can get into the space of. You'll be keen to share the gospel. The good news that they've committed a terrible crime against God and they face His just wrath without Jesus, but that Jesus came and died for them and rose again. The greatest act of love in the world was Jesus dying on the cross. The greatest act of love that you can make for another person is to pray for them and tell them about Jesus. Paul loved Jesus and he loves people. Of course he loves Jesus first. God's put this love in him. It doesn't come naturally to us. Look at verse 7. In your Bible, sorry, I'll get a picture in a sec. We were like young children among you. He wasn't like the great big apostle lauding his authority and asserting himself over people. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you, this heart. Because we loved you so much, we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses and so is God. How holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believe. Ask a nursing mother how committed you have to be in order to care for your child properly. You can't just kind of cruise along and do whatever you want and take a couple of days off when you feel like it, when you've got a baby. Look at Jen and Clarissa up the back there, just chilling with their feet up right now. No, it's hard work. It's a daily grind and joy to care for children. It's a hardship and a blessing to care for children. It's hard work and joyful blessing 
to share the gospel with the lost. It's not going to come to us naturally. It's not going to come to us easily. But if we love people, we'll find a way. This was Paul's dedication to the Thessalonians before they'd even heard the gospel. And the Corinthians and the Colossians and the Ephesians and, and all the churches he started, this was his love for them. Like a mother who grasps that she literally needs to give her baby food or it will die, Paul grasped that people literally need the gospel or they will die and they will die eternally. Paul felt this. Brothers and sisters, we must first of all be passionate about Jesus and then we'll be passionate about the lost and love them. We must be committed to living for Jesus first above work, above sport, above our fitness regime, above our families even. Not to the exclusion of or exception of, but Jesus is our priority. We live for him first and foremost. All these things are important, but Christ must be central and living for him and loving others enough to share the gospel with them. How can you find ways in the midst of your work and in the midst of your life stage down the park as a, as a young mum or uh, at work or with friends and neighbours? Who do you know? Who are you connected with who doesn't know Jesus? How are you going to find a way to tell them about Jesus? That's, it's, not, it's not an option. We must share the gospel. We must get people into God's word. I'm reading the Bible with two blokes at the moment, neither of them Christians. They're both really enjoying it. Once you can get people into God's word, they will love it. They will enjoy it. We just need to ask people along. And imagine the joy, imagine the blessing for Paul. Can you imagine this? Imagine Paul's eternity as he looks around heaven and he sees hundreds and thousands of people who he's led to Christ and built churches for so that they could know Jesus and grow in Jesus and share the gospel with others, Paul will look around and see myriad people who, by God's grace, he led to Jesus. Is there going to be any greater blessing in heaven, friends, than to look around and see people that you led to Jesus or you encouraged in their walk? You helped out and served at EC and you saw these people there and they found out about Jesus, they became Christians and there they are in heaven with you for all eternity. Is there any greater joy in eternity than other than being with Christ? Than knowing you had a big hand in leading people to Christ, as did this man in leading me to Christ. This is Matt Mulready and his wife Katrina. And it's his beautiful children, Nora and Greta. And Greta is our goddaughter. We pray for her every night. It's really lovely hearing the kids pray for her. Uh, Matt came to my high school in year nine and invited me to church. I said, no thanks. And in year 10, he invited me to church again. And I said, no way. And in year 11, he invited me to church again and I said, I'll pass. And in year 12, he invited me to church again and I said, no, I've got other things to do. In first year uni, he invited me to church again and for some reason, I said yes. And I went along. And I learned about Jesus and then Matt asked me to read the Bible with him. And I said, okay. 
and I sat down and I read the Bible with him. I read Mark's Gospel. And at the end of reading Mark's Gospel, I did not become a Christian. But I kept going to church. And I kept inquiring about Jesus. And I heard a sermon which said, Jesus died for your sins. He rose again in glory. He's coming back as judge. And on that day, if you haven't put your trust in him, you'll face hell. And if you have, you'll have heaven. Will you trust or reject Jesus? There's no sitting in the middle. And I went, whoa. So I kept investigating Jesus and I kept asking Matt lots of questions and I read a book and I went to different conferences and things and by the age of 21, I think after reading Transforming Grace by Jerry Bridges, I put my trust in Jesus. Matthew led me to Christ and I'm thankful to him that he did. Matthew also led me to Lara somewhat. I owe owe Matthew a lot. And Matthew will have the joy of knowing for all eternity that he led me to Christ and that he took the time to invite me to read the Bible with him and he made space in his life to read the Bible. I think Matt did what Paul did and what we ought to do too. You actually need to make space in your life for evangelism. What if you're flat out and you're busy and you kind of, you share the gospel with your friend, your neighbour or your colleague and you say, you know, Jesus died for your sins and he rose again and he's coming again to judge you and you need to put your trust in him. And what if they say, I didn't know that. Tell me more. Can we meet up? Uh, I'm pretty busy. Uh, just let me check my diary. <laughs> we need to make space in our lives, don't we? For evangelism. For people. You might actually need to spend less time with some people that you like spending a lot of time with in order to free up time for people who don't know Jesus or people who are kind of just investigating Jesus. You might need to prioritise people for the sake of the gospel, as Paul did, as my friend Matthew did. And before you tell me you're not an evangelist, I want to say (laughs) everyone's an evangelist just not necessarily about Jesus. I've talked to every single one of you and I know what you're interested in. (laughs) And I know you've evangelized me about all sorts of different things. And that's great, right? If you're interested in caravanning and camping, talk to Steve Olden and get evangelized. Josh Edwards as well now, he is getting into it. If you're interested in learning Spanish or all things Argentina, Talk to the Langleys and they will evangelise you about all things Argentina and Spanish. If you're interested in hiking and you want to get evangelised into hiking, talk to Jessamine. She's not in the room. Jessamine loves hiking. She'll get you into it. Did you know that Jessamine and Steve and Mel and Pete and Roz have all talked to their friends about Jesus and they've all persuaded people to come to our church in the past? So if you want to get evangelised about Jesus, talk to them as well and I'll tell you about him. We all are passionate about things. We're all happy to talk about stuff. We're all happy to evangelise people about different things. We ought, if we're Christians, to be excited about telling people about Jesus. And we're all capable. Don't tell me you're not. If you need some help or tips or advice, talk to your growth group. Talk to me. Be proactive in sharing the gospel with people. Who are you seeking? Who are you praying for? Write them on your card. Make space in your life 
so you can share your life and you can share the gospel. It might take time to make space in your life for sharing the gospel. It might not happen overnight. It might take a year to rearrange your life, rearrange your kids' schedules, rearrange your own schedule, rearrange your priorities to make space to share the gospel with people you know. But take a minute now, grab that card out, have a look. If you haven't got a pen, that's okay. I want you to have a think now on your own. Feel free to chat with the person next to you um, if, there's, if you want. Grab the card, have a look, stare at it. If you've got a pen, write some people's names down, if you can think of some. If you don't know yet who, don't write them down yet. Keep thinking and praying. But let's look at this card again together. This is a challenging card, and I don't think this will happen without prayer. There's two big challenges on this card. The first is on the front. Because we love you so much, we're delighted. There's two challenges on the front. Are, we, are you delighted at the thought of sharing the gospel? Possibly not. This delight comes from God. We need to pray for the delight. Delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Who feels super busy and strung out and not delighted to share their lives <laughs> with people? Most of us. We need to pray and make this a priority. And God willing, God working, we will change our lives. And over the back, by God's grace, it's the only way it's going to happen. By God's grace, I commit to praying. It's only Praying is only going to happen through prayer. Pray to be prayerful. I commit to praying for the following people with the hope of sharing God's saving message about Jesus with them this year. This card is not a write a few people's friends down and then lose it, a few friends' names down and lose it. And We want to pray, commit, that we might share the gospel this year with three people. You might not have three people yet. You might not have three people next month. But hang on to the card. Write one person's name down or two. And God may bring people into your life, as he's doing with me all over the place. This, I had one chat with this guy at tennis before and I had to convince him that I actually was a minister. He's like, he could, no, no, he couldn't be. Like, <laughs> I said, really? I run a church. That's what I do. Really? That's the only conversation that I've had. And God's brought him into my lap i just happened to sit down next to him we just happened to be off the court at the same time which is rare and he asked me all about church just like that pray for the lost pray for opportunities god will give them to you then pray for courage to take those opportunities take a minute now friends have a think about this and then we'll spend some more time in prayer